was in the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. All right, to get us into this theme of righteousness, let me ask you a question. I warn you, this has a, this potentially is an anxiety-inducing question, uh, but we'll give it a go anyway. Is your life beautiful? Would you describe, not, I'm not talking about your physical appearance, I'm talking about your life. Do you have a beautiful life? Do you think that your life is one that you say, I live well, skillfully, Beautifully. It's an interesting question. It may not be something you've considered in great detail, but I think it's a question that we're more and more interested in. So we're constantly looking for people who can give us a clue as to how to live well. We want to live well. Interestingly, I think our culture has shifted on this in the last 20, 30 years. You see, 20 or 30 years ago, the question wouldn't have been, is your life beautiful? The question would have been, is your life successful? Are you making a success of life? Are you winning in life? I think that our culture has shifted a bit to say, I'm not sure that success is everything that there is to say about life. And perhaps we need a bigger category than just success. And so I think more and more the questions we're asking are, are is my life beautiful? I think this is why people like Marie Kondo, who I know nothing about and have really never listened very carefully to what she said, which I appreciate and may make my life comfortable. But she is a cluttering, decluttering expert. You hold things, do they bring you joy? If they don't, you throw them out. It's dangerous in some areas of life. Um, <laughs> just thinking about moments with my children. <laughs> You do bring me great joy. You bring me great joy. Great joy. Yeah? No. So, and if it's not Marie Kondo, then it's Stacey, Stacey Solomon's the new one, right? Who knew that she knew how to live beautifully? She can teach you to declutter your house and declutter everything. And, and there's this sense of, I, 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 I don't want to accumulate material stuff. That was what people wanted to do years ago. I think now I want to declutter. I want to have a simple life. I want to have a beautiful life. I want to live a life where I can say, that's good. I want to live skillfully. Uh, okay, if I, if I perhaps ask the question differently, who do you think does have a beautiful life? Who would you look at in our world and say, yeah, they live beautifully. They seem to navigate their way through life, and they seem to do good. They seem to be a blessing wherever they go. They seem to leave not a trail of destruction, but a trail of goodness. I wonder what you think. Well, the reason I'm talking about this is because this word righteousness, as I thought about it this week, I think we can think about it in terms of beauty. <coughs> to be righteous is to live a beautiful life. A life 
that is good, a life that is bright, a life that's pure, a life that's whole. Righteousness. And so where we're heading this afternoon is the beautiful life. Is it possible to live life in such a way that we might be able to say that is beautiful, the beautiful life? But rather than look for hacks and decluttering and all the rest of it, or psychology, instead we're going to listen to what the Bible says on that subject. And we're going to build our way up to this bottom line, the beautiful life. We're going to see some stages, and I hope as I build up this picture, it will help you to see what the beautiful life might really look like in action. So let's back up from ourselves and go up, 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 and think about the beautiful God. You see, when you read the Bible, what you discover is that there is a God. And the God of the Bible is righteous. It was interesting that um, Juan, who prayed, uh, who prayed and led in prayer, I hadn't told him what I was preaching on, and he started with Psalm 9. Did you hear it? The Lord reigns in righteousness. And what that means is that God is beautiful. So have a think. I, I don't know if you believe in God or not. You may find yourself where Diana was, uh, what she explained in her testimony. That you sort of believe in God, but you don't know much about it or that or what it is. Or maybe you do believe in God, but you're not sure. Well, here's my question. When you think of God, do you think he's beautiful? Do you imagine a God who's beautiful? Or perhaps is your view of God distant? That's not beautiful, right? Or, or is your view of God harsh? or dispassionate, or disinterested in you? What do you think when you think of God? Because the Bible over and over again says that he is righteous, which means he's beautiful. In fact, he's the supreme beauty at the heart of our universe. All beauty traces its beauty back to the God of beauty, the righteous one. All that is beautiful is a reflection of the God of beauty. He's beautiful. What do you mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to be beautiful? Does it just mean it looks nice? No. As the Bible says, you can't see God. So it can't be to do with what he looks like. What it's about is his character. There's a whole heap of things I can say here, but we're just going to focus in on three things. Three things that make God beautiful. When the Bible talks about God's righteousness, it means that he's faithful. To be righteous means you're faithful and consistent. When did you last have an ice cream cone? Right, you know ice cream cones. You can tell a good ice cream cone because when you eat it, it what's bad to me, you just get a lump of ice cream on the top and you eat it, but then the, the cone is empty. What you really want is ice cream all the way. That's a faithful ice cream. <laughs> Otherwise it's lying to you. It's promising something that's not there. And that's what God is like. You see, what you discover God doing in the Bible is he makes promises over and over again. I promise you. I promise you that I will love you. I promise you that I will be there for you. I promise that I will carry you. I promise. I promise. And God is faithful to all his promises. He's never broken a promise. That's beautiful. We make promises, but the trouble is we sometimes can't keep them. 
Sometimes it's out of our power, right? I'll meet you tomorrow at 2. I promise I'll meet you there, but then the train's breaking down. Sometimes it is in our power and we just let people down. But the beautiful life is a life of utter faithfulness. So here is the God who makes promises. In the Bible, that's called a covenant, right? A promise where God says, I will love you. And he promises it, and he's like the ice cream cone that goes all the way. There's ice cream all the way down. So he's faithful. But he's not just faithful. This idea of righteousness also means that he is just. It means he always does what's fair. All of us want to be treated fairly, right? I hate it when I'm treated unfairly. I hate it when I get a parking ticket when it wasn't my fault. I hate it when someone gets something that I think I deserve. But from the very youngest age, one of the first things kids learn to say, right, is, it's not fair. And every parent knows that when they say it's not fair, you say, that's life. You don't commiserate, you just go, you're going to have to get used to that. And yet we know that injustice is deeply, deeply ugly. It's deeply painful. It is not beautiful. Injustice is not beautiful. Justice is. When people are treated rightly, when people are treated fairly with equity, our world is torn apart by injustice. Injustice that reigns between different human groups between ethnicities, between the sexes, between all sorts of different people, where people are treated differently, and it's unjust, and it's not beautiful. When you look at God, He's just. Ah, oh, so beautiful. He doesn't have favourites. He doesn't treat people unfairly. There will never be a day when you can turn to God and say, that's not fair. There'll be a day you can say that's a need, but not to God. Because he's just. So he's faithful and he's just, and that makes him beautiful. But there's a third thing about God that makes him beautiful. Because at this point, you can have a view of God that he's just, and he's like a judge who sits in the courtroom, and the judge is very just, and he's very faithful, and he always does what's right. But you can't really love him. And yet here is the God who is full of mercy. This is what makes God beautiful. Faithfulness, justice, and mercy. But when God sees people who are in need, he is moved with compassion for them. God is a God of mercy. He's not a harsh, distant, disinterested God. He's a God of loving kindness. A God who's moved by our need. Now, whether or not you believe in God, I want to try and persuade you that if there was a God who is faithful and just and merciful, that would be beautiful. He would be beautiful, right? That would be beautiful. It's everything that we ache for. I ache for faithfulness in relationships. I ache for someone who can put injustice in I want injustice to be put right. And I ache for someone who can be merciful. The kindness, gentleness, love. All of that is found in God. That's who he is. He's beautiful. So it starts with the beautiful God. But as we follow this through, what we discover is that this beautiful God is writing the beautiful story. 
There's a story that he's weaving. That this beautiful God has created a people. And the people were created to reflect God's righteousness, to be righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? To be beautiful. And so we're going to have to define what our beauty might look like by what God's beauty is modeled on, right? And so if God is the God of faithfulness and justice and mercy, then the people that he creates will be a people of faithfulness and justice and mercy. We'll be like God, beautiful. And that was God's intention for humanity. That's what he made us for. He made us to be beautiful. That, sorry, I've got one direction going on in my head. But that's what makes you beautiful. <laughs> Not the way you flip your hair. But the God who made you. That's where beauty comes from. And so God has this people. And the story is written as God sets apart a people called Israel for himself. This is the story of the Bible, and they were to be the beautiful people. Do you know this whole book in the Bible, which is dedicated to how to live well, how to live a beautiful life, it's called the book of Proverbs. It tells you how to live well in God's world. And what you have is you have wisdom speaking, saying, live beautifully, live beautifully. You have folly, who's another character, and these two characters kind of talk to each other through the book of Proverbs. It's a brilliant book. You can bring it when you go ahead. Wisdom, the voice of God, calling us to a beautiful life. Folly, calling us to a life of selfishness, indulging. Do you hear what Alistair said, what he was talking about? That sense of, I've got to do what I want and pursue what I think will satisfy me. And so what is wisdom calling us to? What is calling us to a life of Faithfulness. Be faithful. Live a life of faithfulness when your word is, you keep your word, when the promises that you make are true. Be faithful and be just. Treat people with fairness. There's loads of stuff in the book of Proverbs about not using unequal weights. I, I guess that isn't particularly relevant to us in, in the way that we do our work. But you get what it means. You know, here comes someone, and you go, I'll use a heavier weight for them because then I can them out of their mind. Proverbs says don't do that. Be just. Treat people with fairness, with equity. And be merciful. Show kindness to those in need, not harshness. And so God's intention was that there would be this people who would be his beautiful people in the world, who would put on display the righteousness of God for the world to see. Beautiful living. That's good. But the tragedy in the Bible, as the story goes on, is that that beautiful people fail to live the beautiful life. They fail to fully reflect God. Instead, they choose to go another way. They choose to listen to folly, not to wisdom. And instead of a beautiful life, they live a life of injustice. They live a life of unfaithfulness. They live a life of harsh cruelty. Which sort of leaves you going, well, where's the story going to end? The beautiful God writes this beautiful story, but it seems to have gone wrong, and it's all been derailed. And now the Disney kind of picture of this beautiful people has been spoiled. The birds have stopped singing. Julie Andrews isn't happy anymore. Now what are we going to do? 
Well, that brings us to Jesus and to the baptism of Jesus. Because now onto the stage of human history steps the beautiful one. The beautiful one. And in what we just read, listen to it again. We'll have it back on the screen. So I want you to see this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Because this is before he's said anything, it's before he's done anything. The first act he does is to be baptized. Now this is cool because that's what we're going to see in just a minute. In a minute we're going to go outside and we're going to, we're going to baptize five people in a paddling pool outside with some mildly warm water. <laughs> Maybe. Why are we doing that? Well, because that's what Jesus did. Because Jesus, the beautiful one, went into a river in Jordan in a slightly more idyllic setting than, than a car park. But he went into the water and he was baptized. But you notice that when Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist, so he's a specialist in baptism, you, Bob the Builder, right? He's John the Baptist. You could have had a children's TV program, right? We could have had a little children's TV show about John the Baptist. He goes around. Anyway, um, so you've got John the Baptist, and he knows about baptism. He knows that baptism is when people say, I'm sorry for my sin, I'm dirty, I'm unclean, I need to be washed clean. And I want to turn away from living the folly life. I want to live the beautiful life. John the Baptist knows that that's what baptism is. And so when Jesus comes, do you say that? Do you see, he says, no, no, you shouldn't be baptized. Because John the Baptist knows that there's something about Jesus that's different. Because Jesus has only lived the beautiful life. Jesus has lived a life of perfect faithfulness and perfect justice and perfect mercy. He's got no sin. And so John the Baptist says, well, what are you baptized for? In fact, there's someone who's very, very clean says, I think I'll have a shower. You're like, why are you doing that? You don't need a shower. And so John the Baptist says to him, no, I, I should be baptized by you. John the Baptist suddenly meets him, and this very beautiful life of Jesus makes John the Baptist suddenly go, wait a second, my life's not very beautiful compared to yours. You should baptize me. But look what Jesus says now. What a strange phrase this is. Let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. For that but what it means is everything we've said so far. But Jesus says, you know that righteousness story? It was all about me. I've come to fulfill that story. Everything's about me. So the righteous God who sets apart a righteous people, a beautiful God who sets apart the beautiful people who failed him, who let him down, it was all about Jesus. The story always was built into Jesus. It was never about the beautiful people. It was always about Jesus. It was leading to Jesus. It was always going to be that he had to come. And so he says, we need to fulfill all righteousness. We need to do the righteous plan. I need to be baptized because I am the righteous one. And this is Jesus becomes full of faithfulness. He's 
faithful to God's promise. When he says, I want to fulfill all righteousness, he says, I want to fulfill every promise that God has made. God has promised and promised and promised, and Jesus says, and I'm going to be fulfilling it. God promised he'd send a king, Jesus says, that's me. God promised he'd send a son, that's Jesus. God promised he'd send a lamb, that's Jesus. All of the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. He proves God faithful. He's fulfilling all of God's promises, fulfilling righteousness. God is righteous. He's kept all his promises, you can see in Jesus. And he's fulfilling God's justice. Because you see, Jesus comes to deal with our foolishness. You see, we've chosen to go the food. Sorry, I've chosen you as a foolish side, but sorry. We've chosen to go the foolish way. <laughs> Catching people's eyes now. We've chosen to go the foolish way, right? We've chosen to go the foolish way. Rather than be the beautiful, wise people of God, we've chosen to be foolish. And therefore, we deserve the God's punishment. In God's justice, to ignore God is to deserve his punishment. So what does Jesus come to do? He comes to fulfill all righteousness. He is going to come and he is going to deal with our sin, our foolishness. He's come to put it right. God doesn't just say, oh, don't worry about it, forget it, I know you messed up, it doesn't matter. It does matter. To go against God, to turn away from God is deeply serious. But Jesus says, I've come to deal with that justice. I've come to put it right. And Jesus, who was baptized in a river three years later, would be nailed to a cross. And there, as he was nailed to the cross, all of the punishment that I deserve for my foolishness was taken by him. The justice of God is fulfilled in Jesus. And the mercy. But why does he do that? Because God so loved this world. Because God so loved you. But rather than ignore you, rather than punish you, instead he sends his son to die so that he can say to you, I fulfilled all mercy. This afternoon there's not one person sitting in this room who if you turn to Jesus, he won't say, of course I'll welcome you, of course I'll forgive you, of course I'll love you, because I fulfilled all righteousness, I fulfilled all mercy. All of God's faithfulness, all of God's justice, all of God's mercy fulfilled in Jesus. You want a picture of this? Imagine Jesus hanging on a cross, arms stretched out, and his arms are stretched out to say, I will welcome you. Come. Come and find mercy. This is the, the beautiful one. Jesus lived this life perfectly. If you've never read the life of Jesus, take one of our Bibles. I, I don't know. Just take one of the blue Bibles and read it. Well, we probably can't afford it. But anyway, take the Bible and we'll get some more. I'd rather you have them than they sat in box all week. Read, read Matthew's Gospel for yourself. Read about how beautiful Jesus is. You, you come back next week and you show me one thing. You say, that was ugly in Jesus' life. There's nothing. He's so, I, I'm so proud of Jesus. I'm deeply ashamed of myself, but I'm so proud of Jesus. I defy you to find anything in the life of Jesus that is not beautiful. 
But there's one final step, you see, because now we're seeing the beautiful one who creates a beautiful people for himself, a beautiful story. They failed, but it was all pointing to Jesus, the beautiful one who fulfills all righteousness. And then he says, and as you follow me, I will make you righteous. I will make you beautiful. And Jesus comes and he says, now let me teach you to live the beautiful life. And that is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Jesus saying, I want you to now be my beautiful people. I've saved you. I died for you. I love you. I've poured out my mercy on you. And now I want you to live this life. And Jesus sets out a radical, revolutionary view of life. A life of such beauty. A life where he says, be, be faithful. Be someone who is faithful, who keeps your word, who's reliable, who people say, ah, oh, I, I trust them. Let him make you someone who is just, who fights justice in this world, who weeps over injustice, who sees where people are treated wrongly and it breaks our hearts and we pray and we work for justice in this world. That's what kingdom people do. That's what beautiful people do. And be someone who's full of mercy. Who doesn't treat people with harshness but knows that the mercy you've received is mercy you want to give to others. That's beautiful. And let me tell you, if we could live this way, we would be God's beautiful people in this world. So that question at the start, is your life beautiful? It's really the wrong question. The first question is, can you see how beautiful Jesus is? Do you see that he's beautiful? He will never mistreat you. He will never abuse you. He will never harm you. He is beautiful, faithful, just, merciful, stunning. Come to him. Find freedom and forgiveness in him. And then let him make you beautiful. Let him teach you to live this righteous life. And if you want to hear more about that, that's what we're doing for the next three months at Globe Church as we work with the Sermon on the Mount. This is the beautiful life that Jesus sets out. And week by week we're going to look at it as he teaches us what does that mean kind of when we get angry? What does it mean in terms of our purity? We're going to see this beautiful life. But just for this afternoon, let's see the beauty of Jesus. See all that he's done and come to him and find his beauty transforming us. Then we'll live a beautiful life like him. And one of the things that Greg would love to do is give people a chance to ask um, questions about this stuff and to think about it. See, in this room, we have all sorts of different opinions. If we all had a microphone, we could all have our say and we'd get chaotic and we'd all have different ideas and thoughts. We can't all do it in a big group, but we can do it in smaller groups. And so coming up on the 16th of October, we're going to have a space for you just to come and ask any questions you like about Jesus. To come and think a bit more about him. To come and explore his beauty. Say, is he the beautiful one? And could it be that I might find beauty in him and be transformed by him? You can come and ask any questions you like. It's going to happen in Costa Coffee, which is double bonus. You should get a free cake and a coffee. And even if you don't ask questions, you can just come for a free cake and a coffee and sit there quiet. Um, we'd love to invite you to come. Um, 
Josh and Amelia, who are sitting here, and who are going to wave their arms. Great. I'm going to be leaving now, and it's going to be a really chill space just to talk and to ask questions and to think. 16th of October, it's going to happen 16th, 30th, and the 13th of November. Three Tuesdays, three Mondays, um, in, in Costa Coffee. So get that first one in your diary if you'd like to come. Make your decision tonight. Yeah, I'd like to go for it. And put it 16th of October, put it in your diary now, so that you keep it there and you go, ah, she goes, honestly, it might change your life. And maybe you are already Christian, you've got lots of questions, and maybe you're not Christian, you want to ask some questions. Come. The more the merit. And let's talk and discover more Jesus. But for now, why don't we pray? Um, as we finish, we're going to pray and sing some of the songs, and then we're going to head outside and baptize.